theyeshiva.net. Hilchis Talmud Torah, Perek Shedi, Halacha Aleph. Moi shivin melam de tinaikas, bechol medino medino, bechol pelech, upelech, bechol ivir. You establish teachers for children in every land, in every region, in every city, town, and village. Vichol ir shame, but tinaikas shall be srabon, machrim in his anshia ir, achemoi shivin melam de tinaikas. Any city that does not have the opportunity for each and every child to be able to be with a teacher, to give them an education. You excommunicate the people of that city. You put a ban on them. Until they will establish such institutions where there are teachers giving the ability for every Jewish child to be able to study Torah. And if they don't do it, the city deserves to be destroyed. Why? Because the world does not exist only due to the breath that comes out of the sacred mouths of the children who are learning Torah. The source of this halacha in Rambam is a fascinating Gemara, Meseches Baba Basra, Davchaf Aleph, Amad Aleph. The Gemara speaks about an individual by the name of Yehoshua ben Gamla, who was a Kohen Gadol during the second Beis Hamikdash. And the Gemara says, Zachur Oisea Ish this person will be remembered for eternity, if not for him, Torah would have been forgotten from the Jewish people. Why? The initial system that was established in the Jewish world is that every father educates his son. Like we learned in the first chapter, every father has an obligation to teach his son Torah. The moment he starts talking, what happens if a child didn't have a father? The child was left. The child was abandoned in terms of an education. So then they established that there should be teachers in Yerushalayim. So somebody who had a father, his father could take him to Yerushalayim. Somebody didn't have a father. Once again, this child was deprived of an education. So then they established teachers in every city for older kids. When they were 16 or 17, the Gemara says, they would come to learn. So the Gemara says, what happened then? If the teacher was not so nice to a child, he rebelled and he left. This is where Yeshua ben Gamla came into the Jewish world. And he made an institution. And this is the first compulsory system of education for every single child sponsored by public funds. And to appreciate this, you have to understand that in Great Britain and England, a system of compulsory education only developed around 1870. And in the United States of America around the same time, late 1800s or early 1900s. Talk about being ahead of your time. More than 2,000 years ago, the Jewish people instituted that every single Jewish child living in any town, any city, any village, any region, any land must be given the opportunity of a full Jewish education and this must be covered by the funds of the entire community and the entire city. This was the great contribution of Yeshua ben Gamla. Here we see a little bit of how the Judaism looks at education. For the Jewish people, the education of children, taking care of our children and giving them a good Torah education was not just luxury and it was just, not just necessity. It was considered indispensable and vital and essential to the fabric and the future and the destiny of our people. Or in the words of the Rambam here, based on the Gemara Shabbos Kofiutes, the world exists because of the breath that comes out of the mouth of the children who are learning Torah, as the Gemara says there, Hevel she'ein b'amchet, children who have no sin and distortions and blemishes. Base.
machnisinus atinoikus lislamed, keben sheish, keben shevel, lefikoyach habenu binyan gufoy. You bring in the children to learn in the yeshiva, in the school with the teacher, when the child is six years old or seven years old, based on the koyach haben is the stamina, the power, the energy level of the, of the, of the child, ubinyan gufoy, and the build of his body. That's why some children could come when they're six and some when they're seven because this rigorous study, that, this rigorous schedule of study that we're going to discuss, he has to be the right age. If he's less than six years old, you don't bring him into school. I, the Mishnah says in Perkeyav, is ben chamesh lemikra. When you're five years old, you start learning Chumash. So the Rebbe, the Rambam said in the previous chapter that every father is responsible to teach his children psukim from when he begins to speak, even younger than five. But when do you bring him in to the teacher to start learning during the day as he's going to explain and a little bit of the night? This is only when he's six years old or maybe you have to wait when he's seven years old till which is the beginning of the eighth year. According to the Kesef Mishnah, though I should just say, he believes that Ben Sheish means the beginning of the sixth year, and Ben Sheva means the beginning of the seventh year, which would mean when he's five years old or six years old. The Shulchan Aruch Harav and Hilchas Talmatayr explains that the Rambam means Ben Sheish or Ben Sheva, actually six years, six full years and seven full years. It depends on the build of the body, and it depends on the intellectual and physical power of this child. The teacher is allowed to hit the child in order to dis- hit the children in order to discipline them. But never is he allowed to beat them like you would beat an enemy with cruelty and brutality. He should never ever strike them with rods or with sticks, only with a tiny strap. This is based on a Gemara in Baba Basra Chafalov, where Rav, the student of Rabbeinu Hakadosh, tells the famous Jewish teacher of Shmuel Bar Shelas, he says, you hit the children with Arkas of the Masani, which means with a shoelace. And of course, the point the Rambam is making here is that discipline is important, discipline is necessary, but the sole purpose of discipline is to help the child succeed. If it's about an issue of anger, or the teacher has a bad temper, or there's an ego involved, or it's confrontation, or it's who's going to win, who's stronger, or I lose my patience, or I'm impulsive, I'm impetuous, or I become cruel, etc., then this has no place in the Jewish world. Shulchan Aruch Harav says that if a teacher does hit a child more than is absolutely necessary for the benefit of the child, he does use a stick or a rod, or he does hit a child cruelly, he's violating a mitzvah's license in the Torah, and he must be fired. Of course, based on this halacha, we can understand that in every generation and with every child, you have to examine what is really the best method that will be effective for his or her success in order to discipline them and in order to help them learn as much as possible. So you have to really examine what is the method that you're using, and that's why the Rambam says, only with a tiny strap, because the point is not to beat the child, chas v'shalom. The point is what? To be able to help the child succeed. And that's why today's generation, it's not customary to hit at all, because when you establish that hitting the child is actually counterproductive, then it becomes something that should not a method that should not be used. The teacher sits with them and he learns with them Torah all day, 
and part of the night. You have to remember that in those days, when nightfall would come, it was pitch dark before Thomas Edison's days. So people would go to sleep. They would wake up before sunrise. They would go to sleep at nightfall. Yet, when it comes to teaching children, you teach them all day and teach them a little bit of the night. In order to educate them to learn Torah during the day and during the night. Because as the Rambam said in chapter 1, there's a mitzvah, every Jew, poor and rich, old and young, sick and healthy, even somebody who's very old and he doesn't have power, he has to establish times to learn Torah by day and by night. So that's why we educate children and we teach them Torah by day and a little bit of the night in order to educate them that when they, throughout their life, they will learn Torah by day and by night. You never interrupt the children of learning Torah. Besides Erev Shabbos, Friday, and Erev Yom Tif, towards the end of the day, and on the Yom Tovim, which were days dedicated to celebration and joy with the family and the community, then you also so do not send the children to learn. Aval b'Shabbos, but on Shabbos ain kaiden lechatchila. Aval shainen lirishen. On Shabbos you don't teach them new material, but they could review material that they learned already, even if it is the first review. And the reason for this, the Gemara discusses this in Masechet Nedarim Daf Lamed Zayin that on Shabbos parents would have time to play with their children and it was a special pleasure Einik Shabbos both for the children and the parents and they did not want to interrupt that and number two on Shabbos people eat more and when you eat you're more lethargic and heavy and it's actually harder to absorb information very interesting and that's why the Rambam says that on Shabbos you learn, you don't review, you don't learn new material, but you review the material even if it's the first time you never interrupt the children from learning Torah, even if it's for the sake of the construction of the Beis HaMikdash. Every single Jew is obligated, men and women alike, to participate in the building of the Beis HaMikdash. So if you would have adults, you might interrupt them from learning. You would interrupt them from learning if it's necessary for them to build the Beis HaMikdash. But when it comes to children, even if you could use them, because if you can't use them, then there would be no need for it. But even if you could use them and they could be helpful... Children's learning Torah, you don't interrupt even for the building of the Beis HaMikdash. Here again, we see the perspective of Yiddishkeit and of Halacha on children and on the education of children. It's more critical, it's more vital than the Binyan Beis HaMikdash, which brings the Shechina into the world. But still, it does not compare to learning Torah with Yiddish HaKindalach. Halacha Gimel. A teacher of children who in the middle of the job, he leaves the children alone and he leaves. Or while he's learning with them, you know, maybe when they're reviewing the material or whatever is happening, he's involved in other work. He uses the time to do other work. Or perhaps, or he's lazy in teaching them, he doesn't really apply himself with every fiber of his being. You know, he's more lax. This person is included in the Pasuk in Yirmiya 48. Cursed is the one who does the work of God deceptively. Teaching children is the work of Hashem. And to do this deceptively is horrible and unacceptable. Therefore, it's appropriate that when you hire a teacher, you have to make sure he's a balyir. He's somebody who has authentic yir shamayim, fear and reverence of Hashem. Because a lot of things in the classroom, nobody's going to know. These are little kindalach. So the teacher who's doing Hashem's work has to have yir shamayim, fear of God, understand the unique responsibility and privilege that he has teaching these children.
And he has to be moir. Moir licorice means somebody who's skilled. It's not enough that he has fear of heaven. He also has to be an expert. He has to be skilled at what he does, that he can read and teach the children and ledaktik and make sure that they get the material, they master the material, they understand it with precision and meticulousness. Somebody who's a bachelor who's not married yet should not be a teacher of children because of the mothers who come to the children either to bring them to school or to bring them food or to watch them or to take them home and therefore it can just uh, cause the crossing of boundaries that are inappropriate. Also a woman generally shouldn't teach little children because of the fathers who often come to their boys, either bringing them or picking them up or coming to visit them, and therefore we want to avoid anything that can lead to behavior that is not completely wholesome and healthy and moral. The Tzitzeliezer writes that this restriction was only in those days when schools were usually in secluded areas. For example, they were in the private home of the teacher. The word is Tinoikas shall be The children would be in the house of their teacher. So if somebody is not married, then the mother's coming there. A mother coming could be inappropriate. But he says today, when most schools are in public areas with a lot of people, he believes that these restrictions would not necessarily always apply. Hey, Maximum of 25 students can be by one teacher. What if you have more than 25 children up to 40? You have to hire an assistant to be able to help them in the learning. It's too much for one teacher. If you have more than 40 children, then you're obligated to establish and hire at least two teachers so that you can divide the students into two groups and each group will have its own teacher, 20 and 20, or even if they're together, but you will have not one teacher, but two teachers. Vav. You take the child away from one teacher and you bring him to another teacher. So if there's a city that has two teachers and the child is learning by one teacher, you take him away from one teacher, you bring him to another teacher. If the other teacher is more skilled and he's doing a better job and this child will be more successful, whether it's bediktuk, whether it's bemikro bediktuk, which means he's literally covering more ground, or he's a better teacher in the sense of diktuk, that the student will understand the material better. But medvarim amorim, when should you do this, take him away from one teacher to the other teacher, if this will guarantee a greater success in learning of the student? So the Rambam says, this is birachas. if both teachers were in the same city, and the river did not separate between them. But if you have to take the child from one city and bring him to another city, so he's constantly traveling, he has to come home, and then the next day again has to go to another city. Or if even if both teachers are in the same city, but every morning you have to cross the river to go to the other side of the river to go to the other teacher. 
then there's no responsibility to do this. Why? Because it's too strenuous, it's too burdensome, and it can be dangerous to go every day to another city and cross the river. Unless there was a strong bridge over the river, a bridge that's not vulnerable, it's not, going, it's not flimsy, it's not going to fall, so therefore there's no danger in crossing the bridge every single day, crossing the river to bring the child to the other teacher who will prove more successful for, this well, for the well-being and the learning of this child. Last halacha, What happens if you have a mavi? A mavi is an alleyway, and homes may be open to the alleyway, and one of the, one of the homes that's open to the alleyway wants to, has somebody, and he wants to become a malamit. He wants to create a school in his house. Or you have a courtyard, and there's many homes open to this courtyard, and they are in closer proximity to each other than the homes that are open to an alleyway. And one of the homes in this courtyard, one of the people living there wants to create a school, so children are going to come over, and obviously they're going to be learning during the day, and a little bit of the night, and it can create a commotion and disturb the neighbors. The neighbors don't have the halachic right to protest it, and to prevent this person from creating a school in his home, he's going to teach children Torah. Usually, we have legal rights. Neighbors could complain about these things, and there are various halachas, which we're going to get to later. But in terms of Talmud Torah, we don't give them this halachic right. V'chein, another scenario, somebody is a teacher of children. He has a school, he teaches children. Shabbat Chaveda, his friend comes, Uposach Bayis, Lamatinaikas Betzidai. And nearby, he opens up another home where he's going to teach children. He wants other children to come to learn. They're not necessarily children who are learning by the first teacher, but new children who are going to come to learn by him. Or perhaps even, there are going to be some of the children who are at the first teacher who may go to the second teacher. The first teacher who has an established school cannot protest the other teacher, and stop him from doing this. The Pesach says, Hashem wanted the righteousness of the Jewish people, that the Torah should become great and grand and strong. And therefore, even though when it comes to financial concerns, as a concept of if somebody opens a store right near me and literally takes away my business, there are many details in halacha that we're going to explore, where you're not allowed to encroach on somebody else's business, but here these halachas don't apply. If I'm opening up another yeshiva, I'm opening up another cheder, for a place where Torah is going to grow and become bigger, the Torah says here there's absolutely no restrictions and no limitations. Yagdil Torah v'yadir. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.